Welcome to the Black Beetle Health Podcast. Talking all things health, well-being and equality for LGBTQ plus communities of colour. So relax, listen and enjoy. Hello and welcome back to the Black Beetle Health Podcast. I am joined here today with, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi there, my name is Mohamed Youssef and I'm here from Queer Muslims of Manchester. So, Mohamed, I heard a rumour that um, you can't be queer and Muslim. True or false? Very much false. I mean, it's a, it's a, an idea and an opinion that has been waved about by a lot of people over the last few years, decades, dare we even say centuries, um, that people find it difficult. Yet, we find people that exist within us, and dare we say even ourselves, that are people that ascribe to both of those sides. Um, So yeah, to answer your question, definitely false. And I think, yeah, I'm a testament to that. (laughs) (laughs) And a wonderful one, may I add. Thank you, thank you very much. So is this something that you you hear a lot? Completely, I mean, from a Muslim perspective, there is a lot of rhetoric about choice making um, and people potentially get brought up in a, in a community or in a family where religion's quite a strong ideal for them and they're quite comfortable with that. And then when they come of age and start exploring themselves and understand that they are queer or have a different identity to what they thought, they're faced with this choice making that do I stick with my faith that seems to tell me I can't be queer or do I actually allow myself to experience my queerness, which feels very natural to me. Um, And then you get faced with people saying, okay, fine, be queer, but then just stop being Muslim. And unfortunately, a lot of people do go down that path and saying, do you know what? I don't, what's the point in fighting something which is against me? Um, They potentially don't even want to lose their faith, but because of the reaction that they get, they end up moving away. And yes, it's really great that they're able to really flourish their queerness, but at what expense if they actually do want to continue that faith relationship? Um, So that's where Queer Muslims of Manchester comes in. Yeah, and how did you sort of come about? Obviously, we've touched on the necessity of it, but how did you start? So Queer Muslims of Manchester was a thought maybe just before the pandemic of noticing that there were multiple people in this exact... uh, dichotomy that I've I've mentioned that people that are queer people that are from or are Muslim or want to explore Islam and they're just finding it really challenging to find other like-minded people so firstly an Instagram page was set up just to contact those people and make them aware that other people similar to them exist and then this year we've actually started meeting up in person and I guess we were unsure about what kind of response it would get but since the beginning of this year it's absolutely taken off to the extent where people from all over the Northwest, all over the country are coming to our events. Um, And again, it's because they realize that they connect with both of those things, being queer and being Muslim or being from a faith background. And they just simply want a space to exist. Like it's not about coming together and like forming a political ideology or trying to break down barriers in mosques. It's such, it's at such a, a simple baseline level of just saying, I want a space, I want to exist, and I want to experience life with other similar people. Yeah, absolutely. Having that community without having exactly, the pressure yeah. of being like intellectual or completely, skilled, yeah. or, <laughs> you know, or having being. to or having to like leave 
one of your identities out the door because yes you might go to a queer space and like do you know what i know that i am i'm muslim or i'm from a faith background but i, I kind of have to hide or leave that part of my identity and to come into a space where all of your intersectionalities are not only recognized but celebrated i think is is absolutely necessary and uh, and should be really celebrated yeah and what kind of challenges have you faced in kind of forming this group yeah, so it's always a struggle. As much as I say what I've just said in the fact that everything should be celebrated, we also have to be aware that people do come from backgrounds where sharing information about their faith and sexuality may be a struggle. Um, there may be challenges with family, with community, um, with exposure of information. So that has probably been uh, a challenge that we've been aware of and not necessarily something that needs to change or be ended, but just something that needs to be managed. Um, so holding our events in non-queer spaces, non-Muslim spaces has been something which we've realized is completely necessary. Um, being aware of what people's needs are um, with regards to what kind of information we, we, we spread as well, because people, for example, just, just to pick off one thing, uh, from a Muslim background may not have the ability to get kind of sex education or HIV awareness information. Um, as readily as other people. So knowing that there are barriers to entry for these people and then providing that information allows us to, to overcome those challenges as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's something that people don't realize. Well, it's a lot of the work that we do at Black Beetle Health and mm -hmm. there's not the understanding with a lot of healthcare professionals, like why, why would it be a problem? We've got all the resources there. Um, exactly, and it's just those changing of mindsets and um, kind of desensitizing people to the the thought process of, of seeking whatever help is needed. Because sometimes it is just saying this space is for you and you actually can come and get the service that you want. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what's been the sort of most exciting part of creating this group for you? So we had our meetup this this last uh, last week in October and everybody is very aware of our most successful event, which I dare say wasn't even something queer or Muslim. It was literally our iftar, our breaking of fast in Ramadan, where everybody bought, brought a, 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 a dish and we just sat and, and had fun. So <laughs> as much as it's got its objectives of, of hitting all those things, queer and Muslim, there's nothing as important or fun as just coming together and eating so um, mm. that's been one of our most fun events but yeah throughout the year we've had different things we've had socials um, we've had like health awareness visits and the next month this next month hopefully we're going to tackle probably the most pertinent question with regards to queerness and um, and sexuality and uh, and faith and the question we're posing to ourselves is can you be gay and Muslim or how can you be gay and Muslim um, Obviously, we've been around for about nine or 10 months now in person, but it wasn't something that we wanted to tackle straight away, not to make it out as if this was the main reason for our existence. Like we know queer people exist. We know queer Muslims exist. Um, so it's not that we're trying to answer that question, but we've got to a point now where we've realized that and we can actually start delving into what people's opinions are and what have led them to, to that point. So yeah, I'm really excited about this next upcoming event in November. Yeah, that's a really good one. And just like, I, I think you've done it completely the right way around, you know, like invite people, let them know that the space is there. And then, you mm -hmm. know, you can engage, engage with the charity and stuff if you want to. And exactly. 
yeah. the, the the food and just like the thought of eating <laughs> in a room full of um queer brown people swelling yeah. honestly because exactly. it, it, yeah. it's so comforting and mm-hmm. so it just brings people together food um what was on the menu going <laughs> uh, there was the, i the mean food there was highlight. a lot of pizza there was a lot of to be, I, I guess um coming from a Muslim background there was also a lot of different ethnicities there as well so one of the highlights was a um i, I don't know which part of africa it was from but it was an african soup which somebody brought um which again looked very unassuming very um subtle in color but when you tasted it, it absolutely blew my mind and it could have been because i hadn't eaten in the last 20 hours i don't think it was just that <laughs> it was like a spectacular soup it and helps I've definitely been converted to soups now like yeah soups are my thing coming up oh, to yeah. now especially uh, i'm a big soup girl <laughs> big soup girl um but it's really interesting you bring up the the um, element of ethnicity because you know mm. muslim is of course not homogenous um has that been um sort of another challenge within that having the different ethnicities kind of come together is it culturally different in terms of how people experience and practice the religion in a way i think it's something that we're very aware of as as queer people and maybe queer people of color you're always aware that you're viewing queer people as a group that you feel connected to but you may not realize that they're then looking back at you potentially as people not of color as a person of color so i i think it's not necessarily a person of color would look out and say i'm different but it's maybe the view that they get from other people so does that translate now to queer muslims of manchester you would think it would because as you say there's multiple ethnicities people from different backgrounds different even from different countries that have come to our events but i think because we connect so strongly on being queer and being uh, muslim or from a muslim background all of those things seem to kind of just dissipate which is again so heartwarming that we can just connect on the reason why we're there and all those seeming differences that you'd have in other spaces just seem to to wither away um and i think that if that we had the breaking of the fast where everybody just brought food that they were comfortable with and were really keen and excited to share it with other people was just like a real um exemplary example of that i absolutely spectacular yeah it's gorgeous really um mm-hmm. melting pot feels a very appropriate term right now <laughs> completely yeah definitely um so before this all happened were there any apprehensions in forming this group or did you just kind of dive straight in yeah there always is is a, a risk associated with queerness or queerness which is more vocal or more visible and especially if you're trying to connect with a group where there has been um tension or a lack of cohesion or tolerance in the past there always is a a sense or an idea that you might face some kind of backlash and we've seen in other parts of the country um with regards to um kind of primary school and children's education with regards to sharing more information about different types of families and different identities there has been a backlash from certain communities and dare i put it down to parts of the muslim community as well Manchester I think is a an interesting place with regards to the faith community. I think if you go to certain more rural places like places in Yorkshire, I I shouldn't say rural like maybe smaller cities um across the north of England, you'd find ethnic and religious communities that are more entrenched in a more right-wing conservative way of seeing Islam. And I think that makes people 
it makes it more challenging to then express your queerness. Um, on the flip side of that, you've got somewhere like London, where whichever kind of community you want to find, I'd, I'd say you probably have the potential to find it, whether it's a queer Muslim community or more a right-wing religious. I think Manchester is a bit of a mix of both. So you find deeply religious parts, but then you find real pockets of queer Muslim and queer people of faith as well. Um, so I think that made it easier to understand the challenge as not being a challenge or, or maybe lessening the risk of it, knowing that as much as there is this right wing and intolerant potential side of, uh, of having a queer Muslim group, you've also got the people there to bolster it up and give it the, the strength that it needs. Um, and I think testament to that is the fact that we've had monthly events over the last few months or coming up to about a year or so now, which have been attended by multiple people and they have actually come from all different parts of, of the country shows that that resilience is there. So yes, it is a challenge. And yes, there is a potential of facing backlash from the local Muslim community. But as of yet, thankfully, it's not been received. And hopefully the work that we do in kind of sharing what queer Islam is about, hopefully we'll stop that from happening. And, and what is it about? Queer Islam is about under undoing things that people have got very used to understanding about queerness and about um, sexuality. So whether you want to kind of make this into a history lesson and talk about colonialism or um, religious religious conservatism. I'm always ready to talk about colonialism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, it depends how much time we've got. We'd have to, I'd have to put the kettle on again if we're starting that. <laughs> um, still, we've, we've got to a point where everybody or a lot of people's go-to reaction when you talk about sexuality and, and faith is, is sex and something very physical. And queerness and identity and gender identity is not based on something physical like that is a part of everybody's life but it's not something that you need to necessarily connect together straight away um, and so I think the first point of call with regards to Islam and queerness is just untying that knot as soon as you say to somebody I am a gay person they just assume you're um, promiscuous or doing things which they deem to be like a big red flag in, in their head and it's saying no like that is a discussion we can have, not to say that it is your right to have that information, but there's a whole identity separate from that. Like I'm presenting to you a, a conversing, able, like a, able to communicate human that you just need to connect with on a very like soulful level. And if you deem Islam or faith as something godly, then connect with me in the way that God would want you to. And don't kind of come at me with, a pre-assumed judgment where you just assume that everything that I'm doing is wrong because I've ascribed to this uh, or I'm telling you that this is this is my identity. So I think trying to undo that mindset, which again, it's a, a challenge not only the Muslim community faces, but um, or queer Muslim community faces, but a lot of different communities face that. But I think that would be the first thing which which our work would, would try to undo. Yeah, it, it is really interesting how whenever someone talks about their identity in terms of like LGBTQ plus identity, it is, it, people jump to sex, that's their first thought, mm -hmm. because so many people associate sex with dirtiness, they associate yeah. the sex, the topic of identity with dirtiness as well, when exactly. first, and, the, the yeah. shame needs to be lifted and the stig mm -hmm. stigma needs to be lifted around sex because so many people do it you know so many millions billions of people do it 
Um, exactly. And it's not that you'd go to a heterosexual couple or person and deem their identity based on their sexual actions or lack of, should, should we yeah. say. Um, so that just needs to be completely, completely undone. Yeah, like someone was said to me the other day, isn't it weird how um, when straight couples say they're trying for a baby, all they're saying mm -hmm. is that they're shagging loads. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's never really And that's so, so socially condoned, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've never go up to a group of, you know, kind of acquaintances and be like, you know what, I've been shagging a bunch lately. <laughs> At least not. Somehow you know. not managed to make a baby, but I have Yeah. <laughs> I'll keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it, it is no. kind of interesting and then that's when you know the bigotry like kind of really springs out when you think about it in those uh those kind of frameworks in the same way there's that discussion around um you know queer people trying to sexualize children but at the same mm. time the parents are saying oh he's a heartbreaker is that your girlfriend exactly yeah yeah um, so it, it is just breaking those barriers and um, not say it'll happen overnight, but I think people, the people that we are and standing for what, who we know we are and trying to just share information of that is like the biggest, um, I was going to say middle finger, but the biggest, uh, <laughs> uh, front page that we can, we can show to people that, that have that opinion. Mm. So how are you finding sort of striking the balance between just being a, like a communal space? Um, of uh, socializing and also being sort of inherently political and wanting to do something, you know, doing a bit of work. Exactly. I think it is just that, like noticing we have different aims and objectives. We do want it to be social. Um, and at times when it's easier to be social, like times around Eid, um, it's very easy to be social because they are festivals. Um, and then providing welfare at different times, um, when people need support, such as around Pride, we talked about how we can make Pride like uh, the village or different queer spaces accessible to people of color or to people of faith, um, how people manage that, the prejudice that people face and have faced, and then have a little um, get together afterwards to be able to decompress that. So that's the kind of things from, from a welfare point of view. And then the, the next, Bit is education like this next month talking about where the the origins of um queerness and islam have come from how people navigate that um so yeah i think just, just being aware of our objectives have managed uh, we, we've allowed ourselves to, to to manage our events like that and just kind of give all of them equal weight and then i guess just rotate between them because those are the three things that, that people seem to to connect with yeah, and for people listening who are thinking, wow, this sounds like a, a great project, something I'd really want to get involved with, but I'm not necessarily out or I don't feel, you know, I don't want to be visible. What would you say? Um... So, yeah, so I completely understand where everybody that would uh, have that opinion or that mindset or, or speak like that come from because sexuality itself is a, a spectrum people's journey along that spectrum is 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 absolutely vast so um and people's kind of uh, visibility with that is completely vast as well so there's no judgment associated with wherever you are on that journey um with regards to our group we do meet monthly um at a space in the northern quarter in manchester city center um we normally meet on the middle wednesday of every month and you can use our instagram page which will be in the post uh to to follow our updates 
Um, if it is uh, the, the space itself, it's it's non-queer connected, it's non-Muslim connected, so it could just be that you would feel as comfortable walking in there as you would be walking into a cafe or into other, any other um, any other building. So that's a positive if you did feel like you did want to come. If you didn't feel like you did want to come or didn't want to be visible, we've always got um, anonymous messaging through our website. Um, and then we've got our Instagram page that if you did want to connect um, and chat to somebody about coming to the event beforehand, um, then you could also do that as well. So there's multiple avenues depending on how visible people are and how much connection they, they would want as well. So you've got a sort of buddy system? Uh, not necessarily a buddy system, but just a, a platform where people can ask questions or um, gain more awareness of our group if, if they'd want. Yeah, we've not got to a point where we've specifically set up buddies, even though from the, uh, from the community, people have, I guess, set up their own buddy system. Um, like friendships and buddy systems from that just because they, they find people that they connect with. Um, so again, people wouldn't have had the opportunity to find like-minded people and now that this group has brought them together, they're like, do you know what, I actually connect with this person quite a lot and I feel like they can help me in my life um, and long may that continue. Yeah, that's beautiful. So where do you see this going? Where do you want it to go? So we mentioned the, the stigma that we're trying to break with um, like other larger parts of the Muslim community and changing a mindset of we're not inherently wrong, we're just people. And yes, we may disagree on certain certain things, but we have respect for each other. Now that's the overarching long-term mindset that I'd hope we'd all get to. Being very aware that sometimes bigotry and conservatism is very difficult to challenge. Um, I think that would push to another extreme where, where does QMOM, where does Queer Muslims of Manchester want to uh, want to get to? I think just at a very base level of providing a space where people can exist is a massive positive and is a massive step in the right direction. Like for people who month to month may have nowhere to go, nobody to speak to, just providing that space is sometimes enough for a little bit of respite or to have some communication or just to have a little bit of social fun uh, with other people. Um, so I think somewhere between those two lines, uh, those two extremes, that's where QMOM would hope to get to. So something very simple, providing a space to the, to the flip side and challenging the mindset of, of a, a, a broader community just by showing presence. Yeah, being able to provide that escapism is honestly such a wonderful thing. Um, and people must be so, so grateful to you. Completely, um, what, yeah. And just yeah. seeing other brown people, like people uh, obviously in Islam saying saying the phrase assalamu alaikum or saying peace be with you as a greeting, which is a common Muslim greeting in a queer space, like it's completely mind blowing to understand that you've got a group now that where that phrase can be used. So it's just, again, trying to realize that on, a, on an individual level, we have these identities. So let's just bring it all together. Yeah, gorgeous. Um, so we've only got a few minutes left. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to kind of go to the tougher questions now <laughs> so we can yeah. end on a sad note. Um, mm -hmm. What kind mm -hmm. of uh, stereotypes do you think uh, you're facing as uh, queer Muslims? Or do you think um, that yeah. there's a kind of issue of lack of visibility? Do you even get to the point where the stereotypes are getting in the way? Uh, I think there will be. There, there are stereotypes there. I think the first thing, as we mentioned, is uh, a direct link with sexual action, which is 
um, seen as a big negative and so that will then um, make its way down to judging the person. Um, so I think that's the first stereotype to, to, to overcome. The second thing is, I guess, a general um, disregard for the person's faith. So as I said right at the beginning, people force you to make a decision to leave your faith because you've accepted your, your sexuality. Or if they don't force you to leave it, they then judge you for it, saying you can't be both. Um, on, on, on an individual level, you know you already are both. So it's just like, why am I facing um, that decision making when I've already, to an extent, or already understood the, the connection between the two. Um, so the stereotype of a lack of faith, the stereotype of, of sex, um, and I guess with that comes maybe a a want of, or, or, or a thought that people don't want to conform. So it's like, you're not wanting to stick to the party line and get married to somebody of the opposite gender and have loads of babies and have this traditional life set. So if you're not doing that, then you're ultimately out of the fold of expectation um so i think trying to break that stereotype as well that there is a diverse path of uh, like the future for different people because they are different people and they have different access to to the world and they view the world in different ways i think those are the main stereotypes that i feel coincidence face and do you have any advice around kind of the step towards acceptance because obviously for lots of people of faith there is the mm -hmm. stage of complete denial yeah you know, w when you are deciding which path to go down mm -hmm. do you have any sort of pointers yeah as a person of faith um everything for myself comes back to god so you get potentially really riled up at the fact that something on a global level is um, is not going the way that you'd want to, but then you can scale it back to a community level. Okay, something in Manchester is not going the way that I want to, or you can scale it back to like your local level or back to a family level. But at all of those levels, your sphere of influence is very limited. So the only thing that you really can change, and it's very um, stereotypical or like blase to say, but the only thing I like strongly believe that you can change is yourself. Reconnecting with yourself, understanding who you are, um, from a faith point of view, what is your faith? How do you connect with your faith? If you believe in God, who is God and how can God help you on your journey? And then with your sexuality as well, it's not something to shy away from. It's something to understand because it is a part of you. And most people would say it's been a part of them their whole lives and they're getting to a point where, where they can understand. And it's only by having that hand in hand understanding of both parts of your identity that will allow you to then match them both together. And I think as a person will make you a lot more well-rounded and then you can start working then from yourself towards your local community and your family and, and hopefully the global community to try and effect some change. But yeah, my advice would be focus on yourself, focus on a connection with, with God if you are a, a person of faith um, and then to end, I guess, on a, on a more positive note is just enjoy it. Like life's a life's a journey with its ups and downs. Um, you can only control what you control. So just try and enjoy it on the way. But that's a really, really beautiful ending note. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, before thank we go, much. is there anything else you'd want to share? Any, um, any uh, Instagram links or email addresses? 
Yeah, so our website is www.qmom.co.uk. I'd say if you did want to have an anonymous chat with our group, then that's what the that's the platform that you can use. Uh, our Instagram is our main platform, so at Queer Muslims of Manchester, they can find more information about our events um, and just keep abreast of, of everything that's going on. Um, so yeah, don't feel shy or uh, re reach out to us if you need to or pop into one of our events. Uh, I say that take place monthly. Excellent. And are you looking for any anyone any help in organising? At the moment, no. I say because it's just on a on a level of meeting up every month. Um, it's all about the people. It's all about coming, being present in that space, connecting with people, and to be honest, everything else will will happen naturally after that. But it's all about existence and presence. So that's more than enough at the moment. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. It was really lovely having you. Thank you. Really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.